So tonight I'm going to talk about self-love, giving love, kindness, compassion, tenderness to yourself. There's a lot to say about this. Um, I'll begin by saying I think it's a, a deep archetypal truth of life that all of us deserve far more love, kindness, tenderness, acceptance than we possibly can imagine. You know, it just it's part of our human birthright. And I'll also share this quote from the Buddha on the quote sheet. If you search the whole world over, you will never find another more worthy of of your loving kindness than yourself. And from this love, you will hold all dear. We cannot harm others when we genuinely love ourselves. So a lot of truth there. I'll begin with what I see as some misconceptions about self-love. Uh, self-love or love of self doesn't has kind of a bad rap in the, at least the Western spiritual traditions. And I think it's often uh, characterized either as arrogance, you know, the person who says, you know, I'm better than everyone, or, you know, miserliness, you know, the person who says something like, you know, I'm going to have all the cookies, you can't have any, you know, like that kind of thing. And and I think even in popular language, we, we might hear people say, you know, I couldn't get anywhere with that person. He loves himself too much, this sort of thing. But the funny thing is that love has a very particular vibration. And neither one of those, neither arrogance or miserliness, really resonates with what love is. You know, And I think self-love is, is not the right word for either of those. You know, m The miserliness is based much more on scarcity, Arrogance often is driven by shame. You know, they're, they're not coming from places of love. So I think they're just misnamed. Another misunderstanding about self-love, and this is something that Dr. Kristen Neff talks about. If you don't know her, Dr. Kristen Neff has done extensive research on self-love. I, I really recommend her writings. But she says the number one reason that people give that they're reluctant to pursue self-love is that they're afraid they'll become soft, they'll become lazy, they'll become indulgent, you know, and it's, it's almost as if, you know, the, the inner critic is saying, you know, you need me to stay productive and sharp. And I think the way I would say it is that Self-discipline, healthy self-discipline, is one of the most profound expressions of self-love. Um, and any, any true system of healthy self-discipline, it's going to allow for moments when we can just be lazy and do nothing, you know, especially after intense work. Sometimes that's exactly what we need, a period where we're doing nothing and lazy for a bit. Healthy self-discipline will also allow for moments of indulgence, moments for, you know, our wildness to bust out, you know. 
Healthy indulgence allows for all of that. I mean, healthy di- discipline allows for all of that. We don't really need our inner critic to to be disciplined. In fact, I think we're we're in a much healthier place when we're disciplining ourselves purely from self-love. Another misconception is that self-love is selfish. As if I develop self-love, what that's going to mean is I'm going to spend 24 hours a day paying attention to just myself and focused on just myself. And the truth is, if I were to spend 24 hours a day focusing on just myself, I'd be miserable. That's a kind of craziness. And as is often true, you know, the polar opposite of crazy is also crazy. If I spend 24 hours a day focused only on other people and neglecting myself, you know, running on empty, that's also miserable. Part of healthy self-love is about this balance where each day I spend a little bit of time attending to my own real needs. And really, our own, our real needs are relatively modest. You know, our, our imagined needs go up to heaven, but our real needs are modest, you know. And so I spend a little bit of time each day focused on my real needs, and then the rest of my time I can focus on others giving from a place of fullness, you know, and that, that's much more of a win-win for everybody. And in a way related to that, this is a funny thing to talk about, there's this weird thing in this culture, and it, it in some ways is so implicit in the way people think, that there's this profound asymmetry between self and others. And what I mean by that, and I I think this goes back to Puritanism and other early tendencies in this country, but if I go out into the world and I'm verbally abusive to others, we all realize that's bad. We all realize I get a demerit for an instance of being verbally, you know, abusive to others, you know, and living that way has a cost. Living that way, you know, made a habit of living that way, you know, there's bad karma associated with that. But somehow we think that being verbally abusive to ourselves is free. Well, that's something I just get to do. No consequence, you know. And and it's really bizarre, you know. From, From the point of view of Buddhism, if I'm being verbally abusive to someone else, I'm abusing a human being. If I'm being verbally abusive to myself, I'm abusing a human being. Like, there, there's not any difference, you know. And even the, the Christian formulation, love thy neighbor as thyself, it really privileges the importance of both. And so I would say, you know, I think, in fact, the truth is, well, how, how can I say it? This, um, we live in a culture of scarcity that often frames things in terms of zero-sum games, the, you know, and the idea that the more love I give to myself, the less love I'm going to have to give to other people, this kind of thing. And love really follows the language of abundance, you know. The mo- in fact, the more I love myself, the more love I have to give to others. 
and love of self and love of others are actually in this this mutually supporting feedback loop. The more I do one, the more I have of the other, you know. And so, why is self-love so challenging in this society? And it seems in particular, the past 50 years, it's become a big challenge. Um, I think all of us carry some kinds of core pain, and core pain sends up these emotional messages you know, inner critic messages of, you know, you're not worthy, you don't belong, you're not talented, you're not good enough, you know, blah, 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 this whole litany. And it's really, how can I say, it's a profound yet simply stated truth about life. Pain lies. Pain lies. All the voices that we're hearing, none of them are true. I mean, the, the tragedy of this culture is that we're, we're so fascinated with our heads and we, you know, we get these verbal you know, messages from our core and we think, oh, well, that's the truth of who I am. Um, but pain lies. In fact, you know, many of the people in the world who are not very good at telling the truth are, are filled with pain also, you know. And so why is this? What, why, does, why does pain lie? Like what, what's going on in this dynamic? Um, this is something I've talked a little about before, but I'll, I, I frame it in terms of what I call the four layers of the human psyche, kind of a, a simplistic model. And, and each layer, you know, it goes from you know, the superficial to more and more powerful. So the most superficial part of us is our head, our verbal layer, and, which is privilege in this culture. And we, 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 we have all these illusions that it's so powerful. Like if I think something and I think something about myself, then it's true. If I say something about myself, I blabber it to everyone, then that must be true. You know, this kind of thing. The second layer is the heart layer, our emotions, which which are more powerful than thought and really drive thought. Um, and, you know, there's some people who are not in touch with their emotions, but, but many people are at least somewhat in touch with what they're feeling. Layer number three, much more powerful, is the layer of our primary attachments. Um, and this is where core pain is often stored. Um, Freud had this, this idea that he called transference. And it really, I mean, one way to say transference is that in early childhood, we form these maps about what it is to relate to others. And then we go out into the world and we try to connect with others using those maps. And sometimes those maps are good and sometimes those maps aren't so good, you know. And of course, over time, we learn and grow and, and, and heal our, our 
way of relating. Um, it often takes someone, of, you know, a lot of people can talk about their emotions, level two, but it takes someone of, of tremendous self-insight to be able to, to articulate what's going on for them at the level of their primary attachments. So all three of those layers are very loud, you know, or can be loud. You know, the mind certainly is nonstop chatter. Emotions, sometimes emotions are quiet and subtle, but sometimes they're loud. Um, pain is the loudest single in our body. Level four, which is the, the deepest part of us, I would call that the silent ground of love. And we have to we have to cultivate silence to gain access to it. And so we live in a society that where a lot of people don't even know that that's there. So how do the levels communicate? The the core pain at level three. Often those are held in, often those were wounds in early childhood, and there's kind of an early childhood uh, mentality associated with them. And I think a way to think about it is, if you've ever had the privilege of seeing, say, a one or two-year-old in temper tantrum, you know, and if you know about kids that age, you know, as the day, as the day goes on and it gets toward bedtime, they start to get cranky, but they don't want to go to bed, you know, especially if there's company visiting. Oh, they don't want to go to bed, but they get crankier and crankier. And at, at a certain point, they just it just breaks and they just go into full tantrum. And when they're in tantrum, it's not unusual for a child that age to say, you know, at least in a two-year-old way, all kinds of hurtful things. You know, I hate mommy. I hate daddy. I have a bad mommy. I have a bad daddy. You know, like this this kind of stuff. Um, what's very sad is that there, there are some abusive parents who believe that and then retaliate. Um, but a wise parent knows the kid is in temper tantrum, more or less ignores the verbal content of whatever they're saying, and, and tends to their real needs, you know. And I think, I think what's going on for the child logic once they get into temper tantrum, I think what's going on is, you know, they obviously a two-year-old couldn't articulate it this way, but I'm distressed. I don't know what to do about that. I'm going to try and distress mommy and daddy. And maybe if they're distressed, they'll know how to fix it and they'll know how to fix my distress. I, I, think, it, I think the logic is something along those lines. Well, within the psyche, ego, ego doesn't have all the answers, and ego has plenty of its own problems, but ego is the grown-up in the room, you know? And the core pain is like a child trying to communicate with that grown-up. And so in a way, and it, it's odd to say this, but in a way... All those messages, which we call inner critic messages, are dysfunctional bids for connection. 
their dysfunctional bids for please pay attention to me i'm 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 the i'm the Im- immature part of the psyche and i'm in pain please pay attention to me and really a wise reparenting of ourselves it's exactly like the parent of a 2 year old we more or less have to ignore the verbal content of whatever said and attend to the real need below it you know what the what the what the pain is saying is not true in the least what's true is that there is pain there that needs healing i often say that the work of self love is a work in which we have to love all the places that feel unlovable, accept all the places that feel unacceptable, and forgive all the places that feel unforgivable. And in fact, that can be a great mantra to say every day. I love all the places in me that feel unlovable. I accept all the places that feel unacceptable. I forgive all the places that feel unforgivable. And mantras are actually a, a very good way to 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 work with um, if you are assailed by inner critic voices. Mantras are very powerful. You know, come up with some mantras, some self-affirming, self-love mantras that you say in the morning, in the evening. You know, have them on your phone or somewhere nearby. And then any point during the day when you start to feel assailed by inner critic voices, just say your mantras, you know. And just counteract them, just get that conversation going in your psyche of sort of a counter-conversation to what your voices of pain are saying. Ultimately, every inner critic voice in us is a child crying out for love. You know, and it it's a deep truth that that every single part of us is made by love it's made of love and it's made for love that also can be a wonderful mantra you know every single part of me is made by love is made of love and is made for love So the work of self-love is a long work. It's a work of self-healing. There are no magic bullets. It, it takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes years of work. Um, doing the work of self-love is by far the best gift you could give your future self, the best give, gift you could give everyone you care about, the best gift you could give the world at large. And the more I can cultivate self-love, the more I can live the way I most would want to live. You know, the more I can be virtuous and kind and accepting of others. You know, anything I can't accept in here, I can't accept out there. So the more I can accept in myself, the more I can accept in the way that other people show up. Now, it's interesting, one of the ideals in if you're familiar with Buddhism, one of the ideals in Buddhism is this idea of anatta, lack of substantial self. 
and and Buddhists are actually they um, they problematize the whole the whole idea that there is a substantial single fixed thing called myself. It's funny at the uh, Saturday Sangha. Saturday Sangha is led by a, a Zen priest, Cornelia. And at the end of the Sangha, we were announcing the other Sanghas, and I mentioned, you know, during the, the Sangha, she had talked about a little about the, the Zen idea of no self. And so then when I announced that I would be talking about self-love in this Sangha, she was teasing me, well, what self are you going to tell them to love? <laughs> but the paradox is, we have to love ourselves to let go of it. You know, the strong, in some ways, the strongest ego attachments, the strongest attachments that prevent us from let going, letting go of ourselves, are the attachments of pain. Pain is kind of a white-knuckled holding on, you know. And the more we love ourselves, the more we can let go. I'll say a few times in my life, I've been in the presence of people who love themselves in a profound way. Um, and it's always an amazing treat to be in the presence of a person like that. Because they just, they emanate this kind of profound acceptance. And it just, it's almost like it gives us unconscious permission to accept ourselves a little more, you know. There's one energy healer I studied with in California, in Southern California, and I, I studied with her for a couple of years. And every time I was in her presence, you know, she was just a such warm, loving person. I just get in her presence and want to go, ah, oh, and just kind of melt away, you know. So I'll say that we live in a society that is desperate and desperately in need of the message of self-love. Um, there are many people in the society who walk around in tremendous internal pain. Unfortunately, there are also people not connected to their own empathy who, instead of feeling their own pain, they project it out through others. You know, I'm fine. Let me tell you what's wrong with you. You know, this kind of thing. Um, I would say we all have a responsibility to do the work of self-love. We all have, in, in a way, a duty to do the work of self-love. The more each one of us loves ourselves, the more we spread love in the world. And I think more than anything else, that is why we are alive on this planet. So I'll share the quote sheet. Let's see. How am I going to do this? Like um, let's see. Um, kind of put this. All the fun of not having hands that work properly here. Um, let's see, I think if I can jerry-rig this, to, no, um, actually, if you can, I don't know if you can see it, if you can drag that file and drop it in the chat, it's 
see that little file there? It is a long way to go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was just me. It's not what, just you. Help, help. <laughs> can, we, you. Can we move this over there? Why don't you slide this along the bottom? Okay. To another place. I'm going to use a bunch of fingers. Oh. Did I do it? SS restricted by... Uh, account administration it's not letting me upload oh that's weird not letting me upload is that how you usually do it um it's not a url it's a pdf i'm trying to drop in the chat um well it's on my desktop now and we're trying to drag it to the chat and and it's not happy all right well at any rate People in the room get a physical copy. And I apologize to the people on Zoom. I don't know who my account administrator is since this is my account. I... So I apologize to the folks on Zoom, but you can, uh, the, when the talk is, what's that? Sure. See, all right, hold on. Let, first of all, let me, let's just uh, neaten things up. Let's hide that so that that's not in the way at all. See that document right there? Mm -hmm. We want to put it in the chat. If you want to start with it, I'm <laughs> it's a PDF. All right. So at the top of the quote sheet, there's the Buddha quote that I read. There's another quote from the sutra that perfectly encapsulates the Dharma. Let those who desire Buddhahood not train in many dharmas but one. Which one? Great compassion. Those with great compassion possess all the Buddha's teaching as if it were in the palm of their hand. From Rumi, this is a famous Rumi quote, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within you that you have built against it. And St. Thomas Aquinas, good old stodgy Thomas Aquinas himself says, well-ordered self-love is right and natural. Kind of astonishing. Emerson, the sage of Concord, says, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Um, Sorry. This, I don't know if this is worth it, but she got it. She just needs to. But you just need to save it. 
All right. Um, Abraham Lincoln said, I am not bound to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to what light I have. You know, and I think bound here in the, um, in the sense of bound to a virtue, bound to an expectation. Psychologist William James said, act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. Jung said the most terrifying thing is to accept oneself completely. E.E. Cummings said the hardest challenge is to be yourself in a world where everyone is trying to make you be someone else. Rabbi Abraham Heschel said just to be is a blessing. Just to live is holy. Actress Lucille Ball, famous of famous from I Love Lucy, said, love yourself first and everything else falls in line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. Thomas Merton said, to say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence, for God is love. Charles Bukowski said, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? That one is deep. That one is really worth contemplating. Can, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Kerouac said, be in love with your life every minute of it. Thich Nhat Hanh said, to be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to accept yourself. Have we given up? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. So. Your, your settings, then, okay. Later. Eartha Kitt said, "It's about falling in love with yourself and sharing that love with someone who appreciates you, rather than looking for a love to contemplate for a self-love deficit." Ramdas says, "Your problem is, you're too busy holding on to your unworthiness." Joan Didion said, the willingness to accept responsibility for one's own life is the source from which self-respect springs. Vaclav Havel said, the salvation of this world lies nowhere else than in the human heart, in the human power to reflect, in human meekness and human responsibility. Rita Mae Brown said, I think the reward for conformity is that everyone likes you except yourself. Mm. Les Brown, and this is not Les Brown the musician, it's Les Brown the, the motivational speaker, said, accept responsibility for your life. Know that it is you who will get you where you want to go, no one else. Shakti Gwain said, my willingness to be intimate with my own deep feelings creates the space for intimacy with myself, with another. Sorry, with another. That amazing woman, Bell Hook, said, if we give our children sound self-love, they will be able to deal with whatever life puts before them. 
the wise Sufi author Llewellyn Von Lee said, we are here to make the world alive with love. Tony Robbins said, life is a gift and it offers us the privilege, opportunity and responsibility to give something back by by becoming more. Christian Chenoweth said, if you can learn to love yourself and all the flaws, you can love other people so much better, and that makes you so happy. Tina Fey says quite simply, do your thing and don't care if they like it. Tyra Banks says, self-love has very little to do with how you feel about your outer self. It's about accepting all of yourself. Steve Maraboli said, How would your life be different if you stopped allowing other people to dilute or poison your day with their words or opinions? Let today be the day. You stand stand strong in the truth of your beauty and journey through your day without attachment to the validation of others. And Race Mamenikin said, self-love, self-discipline is self-love. Show me a person who is not disciplined and I will show you a person who doesn't love themselves.